All right, and welcome to Real Talk Sports with Rico. I'll be your host today. I just want to go ahead and first and foremost thank Anchor, our platform. Thank our fans out there for listening and any sponsors who have chimed in throughout this time uh, to contribute to our show. So uh, I know we've been on about a two and a half week hiatus and we are back. Today's topics are just random topics, just random, random sports topics. And the first topic that I am going to talk about here is something that just hit me on Twitter, which is you're offered $5 million to score against Michael Jordan one-on-one. You're given 10 chances. This is his prime. If you fail, you won't be able to hear music ever again. Would you lace up? Yeah. I mean, why not? Um, I don't know what you're going to or what the game is going to. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that it's probably going to be a tough game. You know, I I know I <clears throat> I went to, to school with this one guy that uh, had a friend that actually had made it to the NBA. Um, and this is back then. And I think the guy's name was Gary Trent, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyhow, he had a chance to play against Michael Jordan. And he said Michael Jordan was so good that you couldn't tell his right hand from his left hand. He's that good. I mean, I think that's incredible when you think about it, because, you know, if you go out and you play basketball with just, you know, just your average, average person, you know, most times you could tell what hand they're predominantly good at, you know, and it's if you're playing at a high level, then you'll get into a situation where guys can equally use both hands. But you know, to be able to be so good to where you can't tell a right from a left, incredible. And for one-on-one, you know what I mean? To find out, like, yeah, you'll win $5 million to score. I mean, in this tweet, it says to score against them. So never mind, like, what the, the score of the game is. It's saying just one score. If you can just score against them one time. For $5 million, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For five million dollars, you might as well go ahead and shoot your shot. You might as well shoot your shot for five million dollars. So that's kind of the first topic that uh, you know we'll kind of leave the show with. The next thing that I kind of find that was kind of interesting here, just kind of searching through a little bit of Yahoo News, is that uh, LeBron James goes from shun to beloved in LA. A remarkable image makeover. Is this surprising? To me, it's not surprising. You know, especially with LeBron James. Um, To be honest with you, when LeBron left Cleveland, you know, and I was definitely uh, one of those viewers that got a chance to see him leave um, via the decision or whatever you want to call it, Um, which at the end of the day, when you look at it, the decision, I mean, a lot of people will say it's cheesy and all that stuff like that. But the bottom line is, I mean, he, he, he made his choice. He said it publicly and that's what it was. And that's what his intentionality was. Like he intentionally knew, you know, he was leaving Cleveland like for sure. He knew what was on the table. He knew he wanted to go win championships here. He knew what, you know, Miami was was putting together. Um and, you know, he knew that, you know, they already had two superstars in place. They would probably have to figure out the rest of the team, you know, going forward. And so when LeBron left Cleveland, <laughs> I don't think to me, you know, in all my sports watching, I've never seen anybody leave a, a city and then get such hate. You know, I've never seen an owner publicly go on a website 
and bash a person and say that that team would win a championship before the self-proclaimed king, if I'm not mistaken. That's the one quote that I, I do remember out of that entire letter. And I just think about it and, you know, you think about too, like the, the <laughs> it's funny too, I got to mention this, but there was a book that was written about him that he was called The Whole of Akron. <laughs> the Whole of Akron, right? The Whole of Akron. And the funny thing is, so LeBron goes off, he wins his championships in Miami. And I mean, he doesn't win all the championships that he had, you know, said that they were going to win when he got introduced and all that great stuff. But what's so funny about that is the 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 year that he comes back to Cleveland, right? <laughs> the year he comes back to Cleveland, not only does the owner and his and his agent Maverick or whatever get 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 close again or whatever the case may be, brings him back. You know, they have this 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 whole Sports Illustrated piece in which he he released that he would he would come back to the city of Cleveland. You know, so first of all, he left and he left and he announced it at a boys and girls club, but then he came back and he didn't even have the audacity to announce it face to face. He put it in a letter in a sports illustrator, right? And he came back to the city. Nobody said anything that way, right? His very his very agent gets up with the owner, Dan Gilbright, who is the person that got fined for this letter, mind you. And they're all cool. They're all great. Brings LeBron back. They win a championship and all this. And I remember it was a, a, a documentary that was made for Cleveland. And um, I think it's called Believeland, if I'm not mistaken. Believeland, okay? In Believeland, the very author that made the book LeBron, the Whole of Akron, was in the documentary with his son at the bar talking about how he loved LeBron and how like uh, how epic and how wonderful it would be to see Cleveland win this championship and all this and all that. And he wins. And then, you know, they have the parade and everything like that. And LeBron leaves again. And you know what? LeBron could go back to Cleveland right now and he's still going to be loved, right? He's still going to be loved. L.A. like literally got so pissed off at this guy because he said that he would show up at a Blaze Pizza. Um, basically, you know, he didn't deliver a championship initially. I mean, I, I get it. You know, a ton of players got traded because they brought over Anthony Davis and all that stuff like that. And then now, you know, they haven't even finished the season, right? And I think it's funny that LeBron is actually now I think he's he's one of the uh, you know his image so to speak he went from being shunned to like most loved and it's in like less than a year and I'm thinking to myself like only LeBron James could do something like that you know it's like I didn't think LeBron could ever step foot back in Cleveland and he did and then also, too, it looked like it was going to be a disaster for LeBron over here in L.A. And it's looking like one of the best things that's ever happened here. So I just I don't know. I, I look at this piece and I think about it and I just think, you know, only LeBron James is somebody that I can see that has done that before. You know, I mean, 
it's just I don't I don't know what it is too about LeBron too. It's just I don't know if it's like because of the anticipation or is it because of uh, not the anticipation. That's not even the right word. I think it's more or less um, because people expect so much out of LeBron from day one. It's like that, I think, is the one thing that I will always remember about LeBron James. I mean, for sure, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, for sure, I mean, he's he's already won his rings and stuff like that. And so he doesn't need to win anymore. Um, but he's always going to be a figure that, you know, like I said, he's he's always like this person that he he turns beloved but I've never seen a person be so hated and then be so loved again by the same cities that he, he either he walks into or walks out of. So interesting, man, that he is one of the top, the top here in L.A. Um, and, and that says a lot right now, you know, especially with the Rams having a terrible season that they did. Um, the Dodgers, you know, fell a little bit short. Um, and then I'm not sure what, what the Kings did and stuff like that hockey wise or the Ducks, but you know, I think that's pretty interesting to say that, you know, LeBron is able to, to come back and, and regain his image after a, a rocky, rocky first year in L.A. So next up, you know, our next topic here is talking about um, a little bit more about this this interest here with uh, DeMar DeRozan here. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> DeMar DeRozan wants out of San Antonio, so to speak, Um you know, I find that very interesting because, you know, to me, you know, we don't really talk too much about uh, about the Spurs as an organization. You don't really talk too much about, um, you know, if players are happy or, you know, what that that kind of there's not really necessarily too much of a melodrama that that kind of goes around San Antonio. But I think really as of late, there has been. You know, this is, I, I read something earlier here, too, where not only DeMar DeRozan wants to leave, but also, too, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is thinking about exiting as well. And this goes into, you know, the whole thing. And I think this kind of started back when, you know, Kawhi kind of got his exit out of San Antonio. And it kind of makes me think that if DeMar DeRozan doesn't want to sign with San Antonio, which is you know, supposed to be this terrific organization, which it, it is. I mean, it's won its championships. Um, they do it the Spurs way. Um, it is very, you know, a system um, that, that has worked over time. And now when you look at a big time player like him that wants out um, and doesn't see the bigger picture, and then you see a guy like Lamar Aldridge that wants out as well, or LaMarcus Aldridge, excuse me, that wants out as well. You have to wonder then where the Spurs going to go as a franchise, you know, moving forward. Um, and to me, you know, it sucks too for DeMar DeRozan because I know he had he had signed that big contract, um, you know, with the anticipation that he was going to be in Toronto only to be traded, you know, for Kawhi Leonard. And so, you know, I get... To, to get to San Antonio, I think it was a little bit of a disappointment, man, for him because, you know, I think DeMar DeRozan, like, his playing style, man, I think it's 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 tough, man, in the Spurs system. Like, I think that he's kind of a guy that, um, you know, he, he kind of wants to get out and kind of do his thing, man. And I think that, 
you know, maybe a better team for him is out there in the East for sure. Um, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate, you know, that it didn't quite work out the way that it, it did. You know, I thought that when they did get DeMar over there, I thought that they would, you know, win a lot more ball games. I thought that, um, you know, they'd be in a situation where they'd be a little bit better. Um, and it's certainly not his fault, you know, because I think he's gone out and he's balled out the way he's needed to. Um, you know, just kind of looking at the stats here, you know, he shot a career high 52.6% here. But I just think at the the bottom line is, man, that, uh, you know, for him to go over to that team in a tough Western Conference, you know, it's just I don't blame him, you know, for opting out to kind of see what his options are, because at this point in time, man, he wants to, you know, find places where he can possibly win. Now, looking at this article here, it's, you know, good fits are the Knicks, the Pistons and the Hornets. And, you know, if I was DeMar, man, I would try to go somewhere, man, where, you know, maybe like try to go over to like the, the Pacers or try to go to somewhere like uh, imagine if he went over to like Boston or something like that. Um, you know, I could really see him, you know, definitely helping a team like that possibly, you know, get over that hump and get to the championships. And, you know, one thing that you got to think about, too, that if DeMar does opt out, man, if it is a crazy scenario where Golden State is able to somehow, some somehow, some way get Giannis over, you know, I definitely think that, you know, DeMar DeRozan would be a terrific fit over there um, in Milwaukee. That is. So, you know, my next thing here, just kind of looking through um, kind of the news here is, you know, this whole notion that uh, Cam Newton, free agent, um, I think he was like looking at or I shouldn't say he's looking at, but Leonard Fournette running back would like him to go over to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so my whole thing with that is like, uh, you know, with Jacksonville, and Cam Newton, as much as I love Cam Newton, you know, and I've, I've kind of talked about this like a couple weeks ago, <laughs> when you look at Cam Newton and you look at the fact of like when he is literally trying to get up out of the huddle, it looks like he is laboring every time, you know, since that Super Bowl year, it looks like every time he breaks the huddle, he is laboring to get up. You know, Cam is, he's a dynamic player. I mean, Cam has always been a dynamic player um, coming out of the University of Auburn. You know, I do remember him playing in that national championship game. And never have I seen a quarterback, uh, you know, be so big and also be so fast in the sense that, you know, he was good enough to where he could he could throw the ball, obviously, but he He's also, too, the one thing that made Cam effective, or the one thing that does make Cam effective when he's right, is it's almost like it's a, another running back in the backfield. And so when Cam loses that ability to, to, to be a good runner, it's like, okay, well, now let's, let's kind of put him in the pocket situation. The problem is, you know, you want him to be a pocket passer, but you know, folks, he's he's a couple shoulder surgeries in. He's also had a broken back from where he's had um, a bad accident. You know, I think his SUV got flipped over a couple seasons ago or something like that. So when I look at this situation and I look at Jacksonville, I say to myself, OK, 
you know, it would be an ideal fit if you had Leonard Fournette, a healthy Leonard Fournette at that. I mean, if you have a healthy Leonard Fournette, then, okay, I can say to myself, all right, at least I can say that, you know, we're looking at a situation here where, you know, he's not going to have to throw the ball as much. Um, you know, I think, I forget the guy's name, he's on the outside, but I think it's Didi. Didi, I got to take a look at the roster here, but a terrific wide receiver here, you know, and he has a ton of weapons here that he could possibly get it to, you know, but my problem is if he has to throw the ball a lot and then also too, the defense is not as good as it was before, you know, they've already given up Jalen Ramsey and then you're, you're also giving up, uh, I think Campbell is moved on as well to Baltimore and so I look at this and I think that essentially if they get Cam Newton, they're running into a situation where it's almost like what he's leaving with the Carolina Panthers. You know, I think it's just one of those, it's, it's going to be the exact same situation, the exact same situation if Cam Newton were to go over to Jacksonville. So do I think that this is a good move? you know, for Cam Newton in his career, I, I would say no. I, I don't think that this is a situation where Cam is going to go um, and he's going to be in a good situation here. Um, you know, uh, of course, you know, Marcus Lee, or Mark, Marquez Lee, I think over from uh, USC, um, uh, terrific wide receiver there, and Chris Conley um, over there. But yeah, I just... I look at this situation and I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's a good situation. Now, the other situation or another thing that's kind of a rumor mill out there is if he were to go to, if he were to go to uh, New England. Now, <clears throat> if Cam were to go to New England in that situation, you know, I would say that uh, we're really going to find out first and foremost how good of a, of a coach that Bill Belichick actually is. That's, that's the first and foremost thing that we're going to find out. We're going to find out if, you know, Bill Belichick is as good as he is he, as he's advertised here, or was this a Tom Brady um, a project? <laughs> you know, was this a Tom Brady franchise? But if you take Cam Newton and you put him over there as is in New England, I think he's going to have a more success to me because I think he has, you know, some, some better pieces over there. He's got some pieces that are experienced at a high level. You know, they've been to a couple Super Bowls or they have some rings on their fingers over there. And I think that Bill Belichick's scheme, you know, it doesn't it doesn't put Cam in a situation to where he has to um, be. He doesn't have to throw the ball as much. He doesn't have to get into scramble mode either. Um, you know, because I do like that he has a, a back like Sonny Michelle back there. Um, you know, and I do like the fact that he has Edelman over there to, to kind of milk the middle. So that tells me right there, we're talking about a guy with a shoulder surgery. Here's a guy that's probably able to, to kind of dink and dunk down the field. He doesn't have to really necessary, necessarily worry about airing it out. And I think, you know, when he does go to the play action, you know, or when they do go to the play action, I think it would be a situation where he just needs to execute on those, you know, one, two, three, whatever many shots that they take throughout the game. And I think you're going to see a Cam Newton that, you know, essentially, I think he could revitalize his career if he were to go to a place like New England. Um, you know, that's definitely a good fit for him. But 
to go to a place where it's just going to be, you know, another situation where essentially it's the same team. You know, I just, I couldn't see that happening. You know, I just couldn't see that happening. So with that being said, you know, I mean, that's kind of one of my topics here that's down. And the next thing here is like the cutting of Trey Burton of the Chicago Bears. So briefly on this one here, (laughs) and it's funny too that the Redskins would be remotely interested in this so to take nothing away from Trey Burton I mean he had a hell of a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles and this guy was kind of like an up and down kind of guy and and I get the fact that you know when you look at um you look at the Bears offense and you look at the the way that they Matt Nagy kind of kind of has his offense set up and all this it, this window a lot of window dressing and stuff like that and I know Trey Burton would have you know a game here a game there but for the most part he was injured you know I, I don't see Trey Burton a viable option um especially being a Washington Redskins fan I mean to me this just seems like another one of those signings where again the Redskins are just just making you know paper champs you know I don't see I don't see Trey Burton being effective with Washington and honestly speaking you know I think that it's it's just that the Bears kind of got rid of him um, especially when you bring a guy over like Jimmy Graham you know what I mean because I think that though Jimmy Graham had uh, not the greatest season with Green Bay this year um, I think that he's he's possibly going to be a lot better piece or a better fit here um, with Matt Nagy and the Bears um, you know I think that he's far removed from his days with the Saints um, where he was pretty much just a dominant force in this league um, you know I, I don't think he's probably maybe lost the step speed wise but he still does have the size to um, you know, basically go ahead and jump over a lot of your corners in this league. Um, and, and he still has enough speed to get past a linebacker. So, you know, I think that this is something that, you know, especially if it's Nick Foles in the, in the, in the, in the um, if it's Nick Foles in the pocket, I definitely expect for a guy like Jimmy Graham. And I expect for the Bears offense to be 10 times better than what it was uh, a year ago. You know, I just think that when you look at what Mitch Trubisky did, um, you know, Mitch, first of all, he struggled, you know, with his injuries and things like that. Um, he, the Bears offense was just not as explosive um, as it was before. Um, to be honest with you, I think that uh, Chase Daniels, I think, had a better season to me than Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, with Nick Foles, uh, with a guy like Jimmy Graham, you're getting rid of a guy like Trey Burton. Um, you know, I, I like the Bears. You know, if you're a Bears fan out there, you know, I expect that your offense is going to play a lot better. And then expect, too, that, you know, because your offense is playing a lot better, expect that to carry right over to your defense. You completely carry right over to your defense. You know, especially when you have a guy um, over on your defense that, you know, is ultimately just one of the best in the game anyway. Um, so, you know, I expect the Bears to be kind of right back into the fold of things. And so with that being said, I think we're kind of running to the end of the show here, folks. Uh, just kind of rambling on, looking at some random topics here throughout. Um, you know, I know one of the things that people are talking about, too, is, you know, will the NBA season possibly come back? You know, my thoughts on that is, uh, honestly speaking, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think even if we were to lift 
everything and we were to go ahead and say, all right, let's resume everything. Do we really seriously want to put the athletes in a situation where are, are they making up games, first of all? And if they are making up games, you have to ask yourself, okay, you look at what the NBA tried to do when it came down to the lockout, um, the last lockout, I think it was 20, 2011 or 2012, I'm not sure. Might have been one of those years. But the one thing the NBA tried to do is they tried to do the three games, you know, back to back to backs. And that doesn't work. You know, at this level, playing that intense, it just doesn't work. So, you know, that's one thing that the NBA would have to take a look at. You know, first and foremost is going to be the scheduling. The next thing is going to obviously be the safety standpoint of it, too, because then you're going to have to you know, probably test, um, you know, for, um, for, you know, the virus pretty much, you know, every, every game that you're thinking about playing. Um, then also too, you're going to have to factor in the travel and stuff like that. And so then it would next be, you know, are you going to have the fans attending and stuff like that? Um, sure. You know, the ratings I'm sure would probably be just as good. Um, but then, you know, what are you going to do as far as like stadium costs and stuff like that? Like, you know, teams, you know, where's, where's the, where's the, where's the collective bargaining agreement too? You know, that's another thing that you have to think about too, as well, you know, from the NBA standpoint, from a collective bargaining agreement, because I was just looking at another thing here saying that, you know, come May, you know, about 25% of the NBA players would get their salaries with, withheld or held or something like that. And so, you know, we were just talking about the CBA for the NFL and how that works, which, you know, you know, the players get so much and the owners get so much. I think that that would be another snag, really, is going to be trying to figure out, okay, you know, from from the players, you know, and from the league, you know, how do you, how would you divvy out the shares? Would that change now that some of the games are missed and stuff like that? Would that change with some of the, you know, paychecks and stuff like that, um, you know, hitting at different times and stuff like that? So um, what would you do for a team out in Toronto you know, or, or the team in Toronto, you know, that plays out of the state? So stuff like that would be very, very interesting to see. So, you know, I think that it would probably be wise for the NBA not to return this year. Um, you know, I think it's a situation where they probably want to let this thing kind of ride out and then come back. I would say that it would be one of the most interesting things that, you know, I've ever seen. Um, you know, I've never seen such a hiatus like this. And then also, too, to see it affect so many different sports, um, you know, especially looking at the the NBA and, and the NBA draft and stuff like that. I mean, you know, at least, you know, college football, at least they got through their season and stuff like that. You know, but I'm looking at guys like, uh, you know, a Cole Anthony, um, who is Greg Anthony's son, who was having an electric season for North Carolina Tar Heels, by the way. This is a guy that you don't even get a chance to really see um, in the bright lights in March Madness. And these are guys that are having to make decisions um, for their livelihood. And, you know, it's, it's almost like for them, you know, the one thing about them, the NBA players are, they're established, but, you know, for the college kids, you know, a lot of their, their, their career is kind of made when it comes down to tournament time in March, that's where kind of the legends are made. And that's where, you know, you start to really start to, 
to divvy out and, and set the table for your paycheck right there. And so, you know, it's a sad day, you know, when you see that happen to uh, NCAA basketball. Um, I know we had had a show talking about, you know, has March Madness taken a hit due to all the controversies and stuff like that. And, you know, honestly speaking, I was just saying that, you know, regardless of how many scandals we have, you know, I was going to say March Madness will always, always, will always have a lust for March Madness. You know, especially when you see some of the replays, um, you know, and, and things that have been done historically throughout March and some of the careers that, you know, really, <clears throat> to be honest with you, they probably wouldn't have started had they not had the opportunity to play in a March Madness. And so, you know, sadly, I don't think the NBA comes back. Um, sadly, for the NCAA basketball, men's and women's too, you know, not to take it away from the women's game, you know. It's sad that, uh, you know, I just don't think that it's going to, to come back this year. And I think it's going to be interesting too, um, that we have the the NFL draft coming up too as well. And I'm curious to see, you know, how the NFL draft is ran, you know, with us being on this this isolation period. Um, so that's kind of my, my spiel for today. That's Real Talk Sports, just kind of randomly kind of jumping around on some sports topics and, um, you know, sharing my thoughts. And so with that being said, I just want to thank, you know, anybody and everybody who has listened to our show. I want to thank uh, all our sponsors out there. I just want to thank, um, you know, everybody out there. <laughs> and definitely, um, you know, I hope that you're staying safe out there. And, um, you know, just keep up with it, man. Hop on YouTube, you know, look at those old games and things like that. And, uh, you know, stay with the sports spirit for sure. So, Rico, it's Real Talk Sports. We'll be back.